Hello! Welcome back to Emotions and Potions, a love-slash-hate letter to you. I'm Ashton. And I'm Alex. And welcome to today's episode where we are just going to dive in deep on the second book in H.D. Carlton's saga, The Cat and Mouse Duet, Hunting Adeline. And we covered the first book, Haunting Adeline, last week. And we told you we weren't going to make you wait long because we couldn't wait long. I wish we could have a little bit for my own mental sanity. Yeah. Um, this book was a lot. <laughs> Just like the first one. Probably m- worse. Oh, yeah. Definitely worse. And you want to know why it's worse? Why? Because of those list of triggers you're about to read off. Yeah, okay. Let's just get right to it. Triggers and content warnings for Hunting Adeline. This is a dark romance that contains rape, graphic violence, and sexual assault, explicit sexual situations, strong language, human trafficking, organ trade, suicide, torture, PTSD, and kinks such as Degregation, knife play, blood play, orgasm control, breath play, and somnophilia. This is a dual POV, and this book is actually in the perspective of the diamond and the hunter. So the diamond being Addie, the hunter being Zade, plus some journal entries kind of similar to what we saw in the first book. So now that we kind of got that out of the way, you can kind of, you know what you're going to be experiencing on this episode. Again, proceed with caution. Yeah, that's really all that we can say. It only goes down before it goes up. So Alex, can you please read me the synopsis? The diamond. Death walks alongside me, but the reaper is no match for me. I'm trapped in a world full of monsters, dressed as men, and those who aren't as they seem. They won't keep me forever. I no longer recognize the person I've become, and I'm fighting to find my way back to the beast who hunts me in the night. They call me a diamond but they've only created an angel of death. The Hunter. I was born a predator, with ruthlessness ingrained in my bones. When what's mine is stolen from me in the night, like a diamond hidden within a fortress, I find that I can no longer contain the beast. Blood will paint the ground as I tear apart this world to find her, and bring her back to where she belongs. No one will escape my wrath, especially not those who have betrayed me. Warning! This is the second and final installment to the duet. You must read Haunting Adeline first. That was, like, chilling. Yeah. Like, hearing it out loud, because I've obviously have read it, but I didn't read it out loud. Hearing out loud, I'm just like, oh, shit, what am I, what is about to happen? It's funny, this synopsis kind of has, like, an angel's demons feel to it versus people. Haunting. It's very yeah. creepy. It feels, like, otherworldly, like, supernatural versus real-world scenarios. Ooh, Okay. I think I need a drink (laughs) after hearing that synopsis. So, Alex, what did you prepare for us today? So, to counter the dark vibes that um, that just gave us. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm dubbing this The Shadow's Revenge Margarita. Ooh, okay. I love a margarita. I'm a fan of tequila, and this looks very refreshing. And so do Addie and Dea. (laughs) Yes, they do. They drink margaritas quite a bit. Along with just, like, shots of tequila, but we yeah. won't be doing that. I we'll mean, stick to margaritas. Have a chaser for our chaser. Have a chaser for our <laughs> chaser. Hey! <laughs> so what is in this? So it's silver tequila, some homemade sour mix, some blood orange liqueur, some raspberry simple syrup. Shaken. Not stirred. Not stirred. Shake your margarita. On the rocks with a sugar rim. Oh, girl, okay. Let's try this. Delightful. Oh, my gosh. Wow, this definitely makes me lighter before diving into this really 
dark book. Well, we're about to ruin that light feeling. I know. Real quick. Okay, let me... Right out the gate <laughs> with when we get into the plot of this book. Oh, gosh. Let me just take a minute. Give me one more second. Sip on my margarita one more time. Savor the flavor. Okay. I think I've composed myself enough to really get into hunting Adeline. Are you ready, Alex? I don't know. I, I know. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready, but... But let's get into it. Okay, so some backstory, just a little reminder where we left off. Yes. Zaid has infiltrated the society on initiation night. Something goes astray. It ends up being a trap that the society has set for Zaid or Z. Bombs go off. And I think we're confronted with the person who is in charge, but we don't know who that is. Yeah, they haven't been unmasked yet. That's kind of where it leaves us, right? And then Addie got in her car to go meet up with Dea because she sent, like, some distress text messages. And she realized she was being followed and has been in a car accident. And is being taken in the process of being kidnapped. Yes. So the first letter we get is a journal entry that just is a note saying, get me the fuck out of here, kind of all over the paper, sporadically. A little crazily. A little crazily. So off to a great start, people. So we pick up with Addie where we left off as she has been in a car accident after receiving a message from Dea. She overhears two men talking about Z in the society, so she knows that she is SOL currently. She learns one of her captures' names is Rio, and so they end up taking Addie to an off-grid doctor because she is seriously injured from that car accident that she just got into. Way to damage the merchandise. Yeah. She goes in and out of consciousness where she overhears conversation of three men talking about money and about how they're going to invade Z now that they've stolen Addie. She then is introduced to the doctor whose name is Jim Garrison. Addie instantly gets very weird, creepy vibes from this doctor. She does not like his energy. At this point, it's already been five days since the car accident as she's kind of going in and out of that consciousness. No, thank you. And it only gets worse. So... We'll be saying that a lot throughout this. Yeah. So next we get another letter. And this one is from a girl named Molly dated June 8th, 2008, talking about what did she do to deserve what's happening to her. She's only 20 years old and now she's going to die. She also mentions how her sister is going to die. She also mentions a female by the name of Francesca who causes her physical pain. Now we catch up with Z, where, is he, where we left off with him at the initiation ceremony after the explosion. So as we know, this was a setup to draw Z out of hiding, and he's badly injured at the moment. Z knows that he's in the presence of the leader of the society, and he also puts together that Addie might be in danger. The leader of the society then confirms that they have kidnapped Addie and are going to sell her to the highest bidder. We then realize that the leader of the society is none other than Mark's widow, Claire Steinberg. That was a big plot twist for me. I didn't see that one coming. I definitely did not see this coming. I was thinking throughout this lead up, because it's, it, it doesn't tell you right away that it's Claire. It kind of gives you this build up, this conversation between her, Jay, and Z, where you have no idea who she is. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, who could this be? Who could this be? Claire never was even on my radar. Same, because, like, Z knew that she was being abused by Mark. Yeah. So this just wasn't something... H.D. Carlton did a great job at just making us not even think about Claire. I mean, that's great writing. 
Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> like, knowing the reveal now, if I reread the first one, probably could pick up on some maybe. subtle clues, maybe. Yeah. Without rereading it, I I can't recall any little breadcrumbs being dropped about who it was going to be. No, nothing. So, well done. I mean. So, our big bad for this one is Claire. There's, okay. There's still lots of other bads. But she is the big bad. She is the big bad. So apparently, she has been running the show all along, and not even her husband knew. Claire is now in the process of kidnapping Z and J as she leads them to a waiting car, a waiting van. Z, being smart, remembers he's wearing a like phone earpiece thing, like a Bluetooth, like, like a spy thing. Yeah, and it has voice-activating calling abilities. So he communicates with Jay in kind of like code conversation to reach out to one of their their guys on the outside to call them since his isn't working. His is down. Jay's goes through. So they are able to let the other guys know that they've been taken and by who and how to track them. Within a few minutes, there's a big bang as another car hits their van and Z ends up killing the guy who's in the back with them before the car crashes. We then get another letter from Molly where we learn that Francesca has told her that she has 10 days to get her act together before she is sold to pedophiles. Molly is convinced that she is going to get the fuck out of there and she is going to make it back to her sister. So Z has been successfully rescued and is out of the clutches of Claire since they're in public and his guys have come and picked them up. He kind of made a very smooth getaway. Very Z-like. Yes. Yeah, very impressive. Z is now looking into Addie's disappearance where he learns that there was a $12 million price tag on Addie's head for her abduction. Just whoever steals her. 12 mil. Holy shit. I mean, way to drum up interest in some product. Oh my God, yeah, why, seriously. I, why, I hate that I'm saying this about a person. A person. <laughs> Me too. So Z obviously is not taking matters very well. He's kind of blaming himself a lot. And they learn that it was Max who answered the ad. Remember Max from book one? He was one of Arch's little friends who ended up taking over the family once the family was wiped out mm-hmm. by Z. So Z let Max live, and now Max has kidnapped Addie. So he's not going to take this well. Nope. Way to break the bargain there, bud. So Z is currently in the hospital, where he's currently trashing his hospital room, because of his temper and how badly he wants to go after Addie. But he is seriously hurt. No major, um, like, internal bleeding or anything like that. But, like, he's bruised. He's battered. Yeah. He needs care. Probably a little bit of a concussion. So they've been tracking payment from Max, and they get a hit showing a $3 million transfer to a Rick Borman. So now Z is going to go after Max. We get another letter from Molly where we learn her sister's name is Layla and she's very sad that she's left her one-year-old sister behind after being kidnapped herself. In this letter, she just reiterates that Layla needs her and that she's going to get out of here. We catch back up with Addie as she is awoken by a doctor saying that he could save her. She obviously gets very creepy vibes from Dr. Jim Garrison. As she should. And does not want to go with him as he's kind of forcing her to follow him. He gets physical with Addie because she's not making this easy on him. He ends up slapping her because she's not listening. And she ends up stealing a knife instrument and plunging it into his neck. And they start to fight since it did not kill him. And just as she's about to pass out from a lack of oxygen, the doctor's head gets blown off. Rio has entered the room and has killed the doctor who is trying to kidnap 
a kidnapped Addie. Fight a second kidnapping? Or or just go along with it? No, she fight. Yeah. Oh, my God. Poor Addie. So Addie talks back to Rio, and Rio pretty much tells her that having a smart mouth will not get her anywhere in this world or where she's going. Rio takes Addie upstairs to shower since she's covered in the doctor's blood and brains and ugh, all that stuff. Mm, yummy visual. Where he watches her the entire time. Rick has also joined the party and mentions Francesca, who is someone that Addie has to impress. The next letter we get is just the name Layla written sporadically all over the journal entry. In a very manic sort of yes. state. Addie is on the move again. They finally arrive at a rundown two-story house in the middle of nowhere, and she has no idea where she is since her eyes were covered the entire time. When they enter the house, there are already men waiting, and they ask if this is the diamond. So Rick doesn't seem to be very concerned with the threat of Z that's kind of looming, while Rio definitely is. Another man enters the house with a girl slung over his shoulder, and Addie can instantly tell that something is not right by the look in her eyes. The man takes this girl out of the room after being told to chain her up extra tight this time. Addie now knows that Max was also the one who sent Rio and Rick to capture her. We learn that Francesca and her brother Rocco work for the society. Rio works for them slash the society. And then Rick doesn't really work for everyone. He just knows people and Max. And that's kind of who Max reached out to. And obviously through all of this, Addie is terrified and she already feels herself breaking understandably so we get another note from molly talking about the culling she also talks about how francesca has been grooming her for her rapists the culling is where they will be hunted like little birds by men she's also talking about how sick her rapists are and that she hopes that they kill her during the culling by mistake so z is obviously fuming and pissed that he left max alive and that he failed Addie. so he's taking this very hard he shows up to Max's house where he takes down all the guards and just walks right in. As soon as Max sees him, he knows he's pretty fucked. Z asks why Max kidnapped Addie, and we learn that Z killed Max's dad so that their deal was off. Supposedly, there was a video sent to Max of a man in a mask killing his dad and then saying this is for Adeline, Riley. Z is obviously pissed because Max did no prep to really look into who actually killed his dad before putting a hit out on Addie. Z then tells Max that the society were the ones responsible for his father's death, and he would have known that if he would have done a little research. Obviously, Max now is saying that he can get her back and is frantically trying to get out of this situation. No, you've already sealed your fate there, buddy. Z then starts to torture Max for more information. He does give up Rio, but does not know his last name. Max then says that Luke knew where Dea lived, so he paid her a visit tied her up and used her phone to lure Addie out. So Z also feels bad that he hadn't even thought about checking in with Dea since the disappearance, but he's gonna fix that. Throughout all this, Zayd is constantly torturing Max. Don't forget that, that it kind of doesn't stop. <laughs> After questioning Max, Z is plagued with all the thoughts of what is happening to Addie. So he cuts off Max's dick and after he passes out, shoves it down his throat and then makes it so he doesn't bleed out to death because he's gonna finish max later when he gets back yeah because doesn't he like wind up cauterizing the castration yes you know <laughs> just just a casual like death yeah yeah definitely nothing intense no did he deserve it all probably yeah so he's going to give luke a visit and finish max later 
Zee gets to Dea's and she has been tied up and is still with Luke. So Dea is kind of like hysterical and she's asking if Zee knows where Addie is because obviously Dea knows that Luke used her to lure out her best friend and he hasn't told her shit. So for the past seven days or so, she's been kind of not really knowing what's been happening with Addie either. And she's hoping that Zade has has her. Unfortunately, he does not. So Z then takes Dea and Luke back to where he's holding Max and continues the torture process. So Luke tries to beg Dea, saying that he missed her and only wanted to be with her, but that she did not, I know, but she did not want to be with him and did not miss him. And I was just like, ugh, this guy's the worst. Dea then plunges a knife into Luke's throat, ending his life. Good for her. Get your revenge, girl. So we get another note from Molly saying that she found a way out. We also learn that they did not get her at the culling and that she was successful. And she promises that she will be back with her sister soon and that they will disappear forever. We're back with Addie and a woman has entered the house and it is none other than Francesca. She is depicted as a beautiful woman with caked on makeup, wearing a lot of perfume, dressed in a very tight dress and is like wearing very op- impressive heels. She's always wearing these like stiletto five inch plus heels. Francesca's low key pissed about Addie's appearance and the state she's in since she's very injured and that's hurting the merchandise, as you said prior. I apologize for saying that about you, Addie, but... <laughs> in Francesca's view, that's what she's thinking. It is what it is. We learn that Francesca is Addie's madame and that she will be preparing her for the auction. Francesca has given her a week to heal, and throughout that time, she wants Addie to be sedated. She's also given Rio the duty of taking care of her since he was the one that caused her to be injured in the first place. They also put a tracker in her neck, and they have... Rio tattoo her slave number on her wrist, like a serial number. Addie and Rio have some conversation during this. Addie is just trying to get some more information out of him. At this point, Rio starts calling Addie princess or princessa. Addie has been escorted back to her room and has been given drugs to knock her out where she passes out thinking of Z after getting her tattoo. Addie wakes up a little time later to a creak that she hears but she can't see anyone in the room. She then sees through the cracks in the walls a pair of eyes staring at her. Creepy. Not menacing in the slightest. She goes to investigate, but she can't really find anything. And something grabs her attention, like a squeaky plank on the floor, where she investigates and finds a journal inside the floor or kind of like under the floorboard. So we then get another letter from Molly, where she's saying today is the day that she's finally going to escape this hellhole two days before her doom. She's talking about if she gets sold off, what that would look like, but she also is thinking about where she would like to go with Layla, and she says maybe Alaska, so she has hope. Okay. Addie is woken up again by a girl playing with her hair. She has long blonde hair down to her waist, brown eyes. She's slightly hunched and very skinny. She asks Addie if she needs help French braiding her hair, and Addie hesitantly agrees for the help. She doesn't really want to, but ultimately, she thinks it's best. <laughs> She's creeped out. It's probably the least bad thing she could say yes to, Yeah. given where she is. Yeah. We learn that this girl's name is Sydney. So Sydney then tells Addie that Francesca wants them to meet her in the pretty room. So they end up meeting her in a room where they end up like putting on makeup, getting changed, the pretty room. So Francesca is going down the line one by one to each girl, letting them know if they are acceptable 
or unacceptable in their appearance. There's a girl with dirty blonde hair who has like a beauty mark or mole or whatever named Bethany who Francesca gets on about her moles not being acceptable. But we also learn that poor Bethany had been down with the flu up until the night before. So she had been really sick. Francesca then calls in Rocco, her brother. All the girls but Sydney look terrified. Rocco is a large man, very gross, an ugly hooked nose, tan skin, golden brown eyes. He gives me the creeps. Oh, definitely. He's slimy of the slime. And so Rocco approaches Bethany with a knife and pretty to pretty much, you know, take care of the mole problem since Bethany didn't do it herself. Addie can't keep it down any longer and talks back saying, aren't you making her uglier? Which she instantly regrets and instantly knows that she's fucked up. Yep. Rocco then approaches her where Francesca says that he can't kill her because she's valuable. Addie tries to fight him off but is unsuccessful as Rocco rapes Addie for the first time without a condom as punishment for talking back. Once he's done, Addie then turns and punches him in the nose, causing Francesca to kind of have to step in because Rocco is about to lose it. Francesca slaps Addie and she gets sent to her room. Begin where I started to struggle reading this book. Yeah, it doesn't. It was tough for a while. It doesn't get better for a very long time. And this is where, like, it's it really does, like, mm-hmm. ramp up. So Addie has read through Molly's journal and realized that she's everything Addie wants to be in, like, this situation. She wants to stay strong. She is frustrated, though, when the journal entries just stop and she doesn't really get an ending to the story. Throughout all this, she has voices in her head speaking to her that remind her of Zaid, who's been kind of helping her through this nightmare. That's kind of how she's been coping, is like she gets these brief kind of snippets of like Zaid giving her advice that she thinks that he would tell her what to do in a, in, in a situation she's in. And I feel like it was very accurate dialogue as to what he would tell her. Definitely. Definitely very Zaid. You're not wrong. Rio then enters her room after she was raped to clean her up since uh, Rocco also reopened her wounds on her back from the car accident. Remember, she's still badly injured at this point. She's only had a, a week to heal, and the doctor said four to six weeks before she's, like, properly healed. So this poor girl is just going through the ringer already. So Rio low-key likes Addie's mouth and her being, like, kind of a spitfire, but tells her she needs to knock it off if she wants to survive. He then calls Addie sexy, where she responds, don't call me that. And he asks if Z is going to kill him for it. And she says, he's going to kill you anyway, so whatever. And I just thought that that dialogue was very funny because I was like, it was just so nonchalant. But like Rio understands that if Z finds him, he's he's fucked. Yeah. I mean, he would have been fucked just for the car crash if it was just like an actual accident. Right. But But now knowing that it's like purposeful and he's helped kidnapping her. Oh, he's beyond fucked. Oh, yeah. So Addie is then out with the girls as Francesca is making another appearance, another one of their lessons, if you will. So it might be a day or two later. And Addie asks what the culling is because Francesca has said that this will be happening within a few days time, this event. So Addie asks what that is. We learn it's where the girls are hunted by the men. So it's a manhunt. The girls are the prey. So kind of exactly what Molly talked about in her journal. So the event will take place later this week and... They have a very 
special, important client visiting named Xavier Delano. He's one of their top buyers in the market, and one of the girls might end up being his. And she acts like this is like a grand prize, which is just terrifying. Yeah, like this is something you actually want to happen and should be desiring. It's insane. So Francesca then goes down the lines, the line of girls asking them, what to do in situations regarding their masters. And Addie actually successfully passes the test. She says exactly what Francesca's looking for. We learn that if they get hit during the culling, that they will be punished afterwards. But if they do not get hit or found, they- They win. They win. They don't get punished and they don't get assaulted or raped. Yay, what a grand reward. And, like, they, they're they supposed to get rewarded with a party afterwards. Yeah. It's just so fucked. So we also learn that Sydney low-key wants to stay with Francesca, which is also why she acts so unhinged all the time. Because Sydney is unhinged. She is as bad as the rapists. Like, she's terrible. Francesca tells them that they will be practicing for the calling tomorrow. The next letter we get is dated November 2021, and it is Addie's first letter where she mentions Gigi journaling. She talks about how much she needs to get out of there, or she's going to completely lose it. And she can already feel herself fraying at the edges, especially after the incident with Rocco. And she needs to hold on because she's sure that Z is looking for her by now. We meet back up with Z, and they have informed him that they have a location on the van that hit Addie the night of the disappearance. They show up to a part of Oregon, Portland, Oregon, where they see that the van is still around the corner. They enter the building where they find a dead Dr. Jim Garrison still laying exactly where he was shot. They also notice cameras in his workspace. They then find a hospital gown that they think that Addie had been wearing covered in blood. Z does think that Addie had something to do with his attack. He then orders Jay to hack the computers, and Jay says there's something that he needs to see, but he's not going to like it. So Z is watching video of Addie escape the doctor's kidnap attempt, and Daya has been doing research on of her own on Rick and Rio. Jay is starting to pull more videos of what has previously happened in Dr. Garrison's office. Zaid outraged, burns down the building, and hangs Dr. Garrison's dead body on display out of a window. Psychotic, but I like it. (laughs) Like, he is on a rampage. Addie's journal entry reveals that Sydney has sabotaged Addie during the calling practice by tripping her, resulting in Addie getting punished with a practice arrow in the back. To her already badly beaten back. After the calling practice round, Sydney confronts Addie about how she hates that Addie is the diamond because this means she will have to leave Francesca's house and this is the only home she knows and the only place she actually considers a home. Which is low-key very sad, but Sydney's still psychotic. Well, she's definitely not right mentally no so yeah i just think that she's a mentally unstable girl who is just trying to survive i guess in her own twisted way valid definitely twisted though during some etiquette training with all of the girls francesca has addy kiss and lick her shoe which addy does with some definite sass some definite sassy remarks 
Later in the evening, Francesca storms into Addie's room and confronts her about destroying all of her heels, which Addie did not do, and we find out it was Sydney who did it. Addie's pleas and insisting that it was not her go unanswered by Francesca, and she gets punished by being sodomized with a heel of one of Francesca's shoes. I hated all of this so much. It was rough. This whole part one is a rough read. Yeah, this definitely was like taxing. It took us a lot longer than it normally does to read. Like it even took us longer than book one, which valid because this is just, this is worse. Yeah, there were multiple points. I just had to close the book and walk away and do anything else. (laughs) Same. Addie's next journal entry exposes how much pain she's in and how she fears it's going to take her a long time for it to fade. If you know, You weren't sad enough already. Right. (laughs) Jay and Zaid have uncovered some information by going through the videos from the doctor that a group known as the Basilisk Brothers have used his services before to save a girl, a young girl. This group is known to sell organs on the black market, but they may not be as bad as they appear. Zaid decides he needs to have a chat with the Brotherhood as they may be able to assist in finding Addie. He gets their attention by going to visit with the Brotherhood's grandmother figure, Mama T. Love Mama T. Love Mama T. She, she was She brought great. a little bit of sunshine to this. She did. She brought some, like, comic relief when you really needed it. And I was here for Mama T. Like, right as I was about to tap out and text Ashen to be like, I don't know if I can finish this. Mama T. Mama T popped in right at the right time. So don't worry, Mama T holds her own against Zaid with her no-nonsense ways, and they wind up forming a really cute little bond. The Brotherhood winds up showing to Mama T's house and agrees to a meeting with Zaid at their headquarters. Back with Addie a few days later, her and the girls are getting prepared for the culling, as it will happen that evening. Five men are in attendance for the culling, like being participants, including Xavier Delano, who is Addie's intended buyer. Mm. So some rules of the culling. The culling is a hunting game. It's going to last one hour. The men will wear body cams to provide entertainment and viewing pleasure to the guests. Hate that. The girls are given a 10-minute head start. The girls are required to stay within the walls of the maze. If they are caught outside of them, it will result in their immediate death. Hate that. The men, hunters, will give chase with the intent to shoot to kill, not to maim hate that. If a girl reaches the safe location, which is an open area at the end of the maze, you are deemed safe and no harm will come to you. Will it? Really not? Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) If you are still within the maze but have not been shot after the allotted hour, you are deemed safe. Are you though? Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) So the calling starts and Addie runs into Phoebe who forces an alliance with her. Ben and Xavier, two of the hunters, catch up with the girls and Phoebe gets shot and stumbles onto a trip wire because there's also traps set throughout this maze. Yeah, this isn't just like, this is like the freaking Hunger Games, bro. Yeah, very like, much so. The fuck? So Phoebe stumbles on one of these trip wires that should release a trap to like hoist you up into the trees and like leave you dangling there. But she hasn't completely fully tripped the wire. So she just knows like as soon as she like gets up, it's going to go off. An exhausted and injured Phoebe realizes she's unable to get away and she tries to shoot Addie along so she can use this trip wire to her advantage, to her advantage and she winds up trapping Ben in the snare and kills him. Love that. I uh, yes, Phoebe. 
get it, girl. Because yes. she already kind of knows she's going to die. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, she already kind of knows. They've, they both have been shot at a little bit. Kind of got some grazes so they're not, like, out of the right running or whatever. And just, she's tired. She can't, she can't do no more. This distraction does allow Addie to get away from Xavier, and she's deeply moved by Phoebe's sacrifice. While running, Addie stumbles upon an abandoned train, and she makes note of this for later, as it could help her escape, but she doesn't want to use the cover of the train right now due to her having the tracker in her neck, just in case nobody else is aware that this exists on the property. So Addie continues running through the woods, and the time runs out. Addie, Jillian, Gloria, and Sydney have survived the calling. Unfortunately, Phoebe, who is not dead yet, but is very injured, and Bethany have lost, and they are taken to the Red Room. The Red Room of Pain. And torture. It's a torture. It's a torture room. It's not Christian Grey's Red Room. No, this is a Red Room that you want to stay totally clear of. Yeah. The reward for surviving the calling is McDonald's. I hate this. Francesca acts like this is like the reward of all rewards, that they survived being Hunted? Like you're about to be served a freaking five course meal and like wine and dine. It's McDonald's. That is just like so insulting. I was so insulted. Like for Addie. Same. It's like, how dare they? <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> after dinner and having to get freshened up, Addie's fighting with Sydney again. And now it's time for the after party. Yay. Yay. But before we find out what happens there, we, we cut back to Zaid in the Basilisk Brotherhood's business meeting. They have agreed to help Zaid find Addie in exchange they get an IOU from Zaid. We learn more about the Brotherhood's business model, which is sometimes they purchase recently deceased bodies. They remove the valuable and salvageable organs and will sell them. And then they also assist in consensual suicides for people who have low quality of life, are terminally ill, old and tired, suffering from mental illnesses. These patients agree to donate their organs to like family members or just anyone who's in need. And the Brotherhood provides the organs to go to someone in need, whatever the wish is, providing that they do something good. And if someone is brought to them not on their own accord or is sold for an organ harvest, the Brotherhood saves or intercepts them and gets them back home. Each member has a different job within the business. We have Dare. He locates the product and keeps track of the market. Slade is the negotiator and accountant. Case removes and preserves the organs. He's also a former mortician. And Riker conducts the deals once the terms have been agreed to. He's also kind of like the leader. The leader. That's what I was kind of picking up on. I kind of am here for these brothers. This brotherhood. I know they're not actual brothers, but like I kind of like their, it's very much like Z, Mm -hmm. where it's, you know, they do potentially good good things but they're doing it in like bad ways or they're doing they're doing bad things in good ways yep. or for good things or you know good outcomes while trying to remain anonymous and appear to be right they have, don't fuck with me they have to appear to be like the bad guys yes but they're actually they're really doing not. good so returning to adeline xavier keeps trying to put the moves on her and woo her and he's about to get extra handsy and rio intercepts Addie to change the dressings on her back even though he changed them prior to the party. He didn't need to do this interception. Addie confronts Rio about why he's helped her and like why is he a part of Francesca's ring. She learns that Rio's little sister is being held at another brothel grooming house and if he does what he's told, she won't get sold. Rio also warns Addie that the worst part of the night is about to happen. What do you mean the worst part of the night is about to happen? 
happen. Give give Addie a break, man. Nope. Uh, Nope, no breaks yet for her. Phoebe and Bethany are brought back to the party out of the red room, nearly lifeless, and the remaining girls are told they must kill them and dig their graves. What the hell? Why? This just is so much. Mm Mm-hmm. So everyone is taken outside for this ceremony, if you will, where Sydney, Jillian, Gloria, and Addie must stone Phoebe and Bethany to death. Sydney is delighted by this and goes to work on Phoebe while Jillian and Gloria attempt to give Bethany a quick death by bashing her head. Addie knocks Sydney off of Phoebe and cradles her and lets her know she will not let her suffer and that Phoebe is her hero and she finds like a very pointy tree branch and stabs Phoebe in the jugular. Mm. Yeah. Time jump of two months. Addie and Sydney are still in Francesca's care while Jillian and Gloria have been sold. Xavier has been coming to visit Addie once a week for the past month. Xavier and Francesca have been planning for him to purchase Addie, but in a manner that won't get them caught by Zade. Addie is starting to lose hope and lose her mind, and she must prepare for another visit from Xavier. And his visits consist of him raping her, and we learn that he has a blood kink, so he's consistently cutting her. And, like, in very painful ways. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not enjoyable for Addie. Like, he's doing it for the power and for the pain. Yeah, so, like, once he buys her and she's in his custody, she's not gonna last long. No, and she kind of already has accepted this, being like, if I am sold to him, this is not a long time permanent thing no. because there's no way that she could withstand losing that much blood. And yeah, he's brutal. Especially he's a nasty like if he can have her every single day versus like once a week. Yeah, he's terrible. And extra demeaning, if we could get any more demeaning, we do. He is obsessed with trying to get her to say his name while he rapes her. Because that's one thing that Addie has kind of... She's refusing to do She it. refuses to say anyone's name. And it drives Xavier crazy because that's really ultimately what he wants. Like, I think that he low-key wants Addie to fall in love with him. Oh, he does. Because he he's aware that Addie is Zade's girl. That's why she's the diamond. That's why she's going for so much. Because she's the guy who's trying to take down the organization's girlfriend. Yeah, so he wants to feel more powerful than Z, and Addie's just not giving that to him. So he just continues to take it out on her. Yeah, because every time that she disobeys him, she gets punished, and it's worse. After this visit, Rio is cleaning and tending to Addie's wounds and trying to reignite the fight and spark in her. He can slowly tell that she is starting to lose faith. Mm -hmm. And he informs Addie... Three new girls will be joining the house within a week, and that Addie currently is scheduled to be sold within three weeks. Then Francesca enters the room, and we find out Claire has a- arrived at the house and wants a word with Adeline. And so Addie doesn't remember who Claire is either. She thinks that the name sounds familiar, but she can't really place yeah. where she's heard. She's it. only had the at the haunted house. At like the at the haunted house and then at the previously at the ball dinner thing. Oh right, the dinner. Yeah. So she hasn't had many interactions with Claire, and she's been through some shit. Yeah. She's not gonna really remember that. No. So we cut back to Zade, who is at an auction buying up all the women who are for sale. So this is kind of like back in time, about a week. And once the auction has concluded, Zade and his team 
round up all the girls, get to work in rescuing them. And Zaid sets fire to the auction house. All the traffickers and like all everybody who works there, everybody dead. Everybody dead. Everyone's yeah, he, gonna be set on fire. Yeah, he killed everyone. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out two of the girls that Zaid rescued were Jillian and Gloria. We're with Addie. Mm-hmm. They let Zaid know that Addie is alive, not doing well, and that she has a buyer. And then they give him as much information as they can on Francesca, Rocco, where they're being kept. Just But they really don't know all that much. They don't know a whole lot, but they've given enough clues. Like Jillian kind of remembered that it took an hour to get to the house from when she was originally kidnapped. So... Now Z can kind of narrow down the search. Yeah. Before they were completely clueless, they have a little bit more to go on than what they've ever had at this point. So then we go back to Addie and she meets with Claire and it clicks. She recognizes her as soon as she sees her. Who it is. And Claire informs Addie about Zade's recent activity and how he's making life difficult for her. Mm. Poor baby Claire. Mm. Poor evil bitch. So Addie's going to be shipped off to Xavier in three days' time now. (sighs) Three weeks to three days. That is depressing. (laughs) And then she's just sent to her room. Bye. Be gone. Off you go. Adeline gets woken up by Sydney that evening with Sydney looming over her and breathing in her face. Sydney's so creepy. And Sydney confronts Addie about her escape plan as she's found Addie's journal. And this turns into a fight for her life as Sydney is planning to turn Addie in. Thankfully, Addie winds up killing Sydney by stabbing her repeatedly in the neck with a pen. Savage. Fight or flight, baby. Engaged to max level. <laughs> yeah, doggy dog, like, kill to survive. Like, she's doing what she needs to do. And honestly, Sydney needed to die. She, we kind of briefed over it, but like, Sydney caused Addie a lot. Sydney constantly got Addie in trouble, so punishment for that was repeatedly being raped. So Sydney needed to die. Yeah. And Addie needed to be the one that did it. So low-key kind of happy. Sorry. Rio, hearing the commotion, rushes in and seeing what has happened, kind of like shakes Addie back into present consciousness. And is like, what are you going to do now? And she responds, escape. And she's thinking she's fucked up by letting one of her captors know this. Know that she wants to escape, yeah. But Rio agrees to assist as much as he can with her escape plan. And he's going to go distract some of the guards out at the front of the house while Adeline gets out and tries to make it to the abandoned train. Rio cuts the tracker out of Addie and Addie tells Rio she will have Zaid fine and rescue his sister, Katarina. Addie first goes to the kitchen to grab some water, granola bars, and a knife, because our girl loves a knife. She wakes one of Rocco's men while trying to leave because water bottles start falling out of like the plastic grocery bag that she stuffed all this thing all these things into. Thankfully she kills him and makes it out the front of the house. And she sees that Rio has killed two guards and is nowhere to be found. Okay, so we flash back to Z. And he is back with Dare. They are trying to track Addie to see if she has been moved locations. Dare notices a train system that is still active. And that's interesting to him. So he kind of digs a little deeper. They find a massive rundown home in the middle of nowhere located in Merlin, Oregon, only about 15 minutes from Grant's Pass and about an hour from Jacksonville where Jillian and Gloria were were auctioned off. So they think that they're getting closer. They are also able to see a truck parked in the driveway 
They get a name off of um, the license plate, which belongs to a Rocco Belusi. Z then calls Jillian to get Francesca's brother's name, and her response is Rocco, but she has no last name. He then describes the house to her, and she confirms that that is the house where she was with Addie. He then promises Jillian that he's going to kill a lot of people for her. Z and Dea are on their way to the house where Addie is when Jay calls them, letting them know that there is a huge search party going on all over the property. And they think that the search party involves Addie. Z then has his search party break off in separate ways along the train track in search of Addie. So he takes Dea and Ruby and Michael go the other way. So Addie has been stumbling through the woods along the train tracks when she hears uh, Rocco's friends calling for her in the distance. Diamond! Come out, come out wherever you are. So she's currently panicking because she thinks she's going to get caught. She then decides to get in one of the trailers that she stumbles upon in hopes that no one will find her. So Addie has fallen asleep and is awoken by something touching her leg. And it turns out it's just a squirrel. And she has this cute little conversation with the squirrel. It was cute. It was very cute. A little psycho, but super cute. But like sweet psycho, right? (laughs) She can hear people in the distance approaching the trailer that she's in. And she's terrified of what's going to happen if she's caught. Then there's a confrontation happening outside the trailer just before someone opens the door. After this confrontation, the door finally opens and she looks into the mismatched eyes of Zade and breaks down as they embrace for the first time in about two and a half months. Fucking finally. So this is about, I think we're about 48% through the book at this point. And they finally have been together. This was torture. So at the beginning of the book, there is this little like excerpt that is just like, if you are looking for a very quick reunion between the two main characters, this is not the book for you. And she ain't lying. You know, so I do appreciate all of the warnings that H.G. Carlton gives before you really dive into both of these books. Like she really preps you kind of as much as she can without giving everything everything away. away. Yeah. And you know what? I can also appreciate that she did it this way because one, this is over a 650 page book. So there's a lot of content. And two, this is like a more realistic thing. Like I'm glad, even though I'm not glad that Addie went through what she went through, that is a very realistic time frame mm-hmm. for someone like Zay to find her, especially when he's also dealing with people who, who are have capable. Like all these counter surveillance measures and are clearly capable as well. So yeah, I'm glad it wasn't rushed. Yeah, it was it was brutal to get through, but I think that it was well done and I think that it was needed. Yeah, it definitely made it harder to read, but I believed it and I bought into it more. So then Addie is taken out of the trailer and she sees that Day is there and Ruby and Michael also then show up and they lead her away from this hell that she's suffered through. Also shout out to Ruby who seems like such a protective mother bear. Yeah, I like Ruby too. And she's kind of like, she's the one that um, Michael and Z give the girls to. She's kind of that comforting, nurturing. Everything's going to be all right. You're safe now. So we get a note from Addie where she's talking about how it doesn't feel real to be back. She's kind of in that state where she knows she's free, but she doesn't feel like she's free. Because she feels like she's literally dying inside from the trauma and from everything that's kind of happened to her. Okay, so now we are entering part two 
of hunting Adeline. Z and J have been trying to track Francesca and Rocco since they both disappeared after losing Addie. Addie was taken right after being found to a trusted doctor of Z where she healed and stayed with them for about a week because at this point she had lacerations all over her body, the open wound in the back of her neck where Rio took the tracker out. She was dehydrated, malnutrition, and ravaged by abuse. So like she needed time to recover in like a proper setting. She has definitely experienced trauma in every way shape or form Addie's abduction has also gotten the attention of like news outlets especially because she's a popular author so she also has like this stress of like reporters and like news people always kind of being in her business right now Addie has not been doing well mentally. Within this time, Z has also rescued Rio's sister, Katerina, since Addie requested that he save her. It's one of the first things that she kind of told him to do once being found. Rio has been on the run and is currently in Arizona. Z has also met Addie's mom for the first time since Addie's return. And Addie has been in bed for days at this point, And Z finally gets her to get up and take a shower. So like, she's not doing well. She's struggling. As she should be. I can't blame her. No. I can't blame her. So Z and Addie have a deep conversation about Addie's mom, and we learn that Addie is pretty much everything opposite of her what her mom is and what her mom wanted. That's kind of the tension between them. It's just that Addie is this letdown. She's this disappointment and very opposite of her mom. So they just clash. Something that I thought was kind of fun, we learned that Z is a Virgo, which makes so much sense when that was like, he was like, my birthday September 7th. And she's like, oh, you're a Virgo. I was like, oh my God. I feel like that. I feel like he, yeah. he is a Virgo through and through. There also has to be some Capricorn in his chart though. Yeah, definitely. And then we also finally get Z's last name, which is Meadows, which I think is a really nice last name. Which was really cute. He's like, our last name is Meadow. And she's like, slow down. Your last name is Meadow. <laughs> like, stop. Addie asks Z to take her to the clinic one day. And we learned that Francesca did make the men wear condoms when they were dishing out punishment. But there was a time where the men gave like all the girls syphilis. And so this was what kind of like led to Addie being freaked out. It wasn't her group of girls, but it had had happened. And I mean, you know, she also just wanted to make sure she wasn't pregnant by mistake as well, because pregnancy can happen even when you have an IUD or arm birth control using condoms. And so Z's obviously very supportive and agrees. And he takes Addie to the to the clinic. And afterwards, he pretty much forces her to get ice cream because he's like, you look like you need some ice cream. So her favorite is mint chocolate chip. And he kind of like makes fun of her. Yeah. He like Makes fun of her being like toothpaste. Like it was really cute, this little interaction. And Z and Addie talk about happiness and how it's fleeting and how she knows that her happiness with Z might be fleeting, but she's never been more sure that she'll get it back. So Aww. she's slowly, you know, you know, she's trying her best. So in the next letter we get from Addie, she talks about how she never expected her rapist to take away her ability to be touched by Zade. So we learn that the thought of anyone touching her just makes her skin crawl, especially men. And unfortunately, that includes Zade, someone that she actually really does care about. And trust. And I mean, he went through damn hell and back to get her. So she's also feeling a little guilt for just not being ready. But Z or Zade has been the perfect. He is the person that I would want to be in a relationship with if I, this ever happened to me. Zade, with how he takes care of Addie, made me fall in love with him in this book. Like, I was 
On the fence. On the fence with him in book one. Like, yeah, he was hot and all. But, like, you know. Red flags. A lot of red flags popping up. But how he takes care of Addie after everything that she's gone through and just the extents and lengths he went to get her back. To get her. I'm I'm here, Crusade. He is a hero. I freaking am here for him. I just, yeah, he's a, I fell for him too in this book. He's flawed. Definitely. Severely. But I, I love him. So Addie has gotten her test results back and it turns out that she did have chlamydia, but she was not pregnant. And she told Z her diagnosis and diagnosis and he was really supportive and she obviously got treatment and is fine. But that would probably have been such a hard thing to get that test result back just way to be violated yet again yeah so z helps addy braid her hair and we learn that ruby taught him how to braid once when he rescued a girl who only wanted z to do her hair so he learned just he keeps getting better it's so swoon worthy z then takes addy on a little excursion to a place where all the survivors go when they don't have a home to return to currently there are 132 survivors staying in this compound the compound has like gardens and horse stables all types of things to help children and anyone else adults come out of like sex trafficking it's not just children Yeah, the women and children that he saves. But it's everyone. There's so much stuff there to help them cope and readjust. Like therapists, things that are very therapeutic. Like he's really looking out for all the people that he rescues too. Again, just another reason to fall in love with Zayd in this book. Zayd then takes Addie over to meet Katerina, Rio's sister, where she says that she knows that Rio isn't a very good person, but it's only because he's such a great brother and that he really did everything to protect her. Katarina also tells Addie that really Rio was Francesca's favorite and she liked the way that Rio tended to her. So ultimately Francesca was making Rio sleep with her. So she was raping Rio. Rio was also being raped and kind of was used, you know, his sister was being held over his head so he would do these things. So Z then takes... Addie over to see Jillian, where the two embrace, which is like a really nice reunion because in the house, they could never, they were almost like enemies by the time that. Yeah, they were pitted against each other. Like they would look out for each other in the beginning, but towards the end of the stay, like they they all hated each other. So this was really nice that they like, they ran up and like they hugged each other and like a really good interaction. Uh, Jillian said that this farm slash compound and her therapist have really been helping her cope and they end up spending hours playing with the children speaking to other survivors, and she even meets Sarah, the little girl who was very insistent that Z is still going to become her daddy. She admits Zayd would make a good dad, but she needs time to pick up the pieces of her life. She's not ready. Z still wants to kill Rio, and he's made that very clear. Addie then asks if Z will take her to one last place because she wants to get the serial number tattoo covered up. So we get another letter from Addie where she's talking about how Z tried his best to get her to get his ta- his name tattooed on her wrist, where she refused and ultimately had this elaborate rose that completely covered the barcode. And she ends up telling Z that she now has her very own rose that will never die. Which was cute. And wasn't Zayd also like, you get my name, I'll get yours on my butt? Yeah, yeah. Like very Zayd fashion. And then she also says that she feels like this is the first time that she's felt a little bit lighter since being home. And she thinks that she's slowly healing. So Addie's in the kitchen cooking some food when she starts having a flashback of Xavier torturing her. And she almost stabs Z with a knife that she's holding when he approaches her from behind and kind of scares her. Z informs Addie that he has to handle a few things with the society. And she tells Z that she knows that Claire is involved. 
and tells him about her appearance at the house. Addie then tells Z that she wants to help him take down the society and he agrees, but she needs to start training again and she needs to learn how to use a weapon and that she cannot do stupid shit in the field. <laughs> she then gets offended by this and asks, what have I ever done that stupid? And he throws back the fact that she confronted her stalker in the middle of the night before and she's like, you're not wrong. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, back in book one when, like, I would get so mad at Addie for the stupid shit she did. So he definitely throws it in her face. And she promises that she will follow his rules. Z and Addie are training and they have been, they've been training the past three weeks at this point. So, like, she's starting to get a little bit better. But Addie's having a hard time justifying murder, even if she is murdering bad people. Z keeps explaining his side of things and why he does what he does. So Addie asks him what's stopping him from fucking her since nothing stopped him before. Because Zade has been very respectful up to this point. He hasn't really put pressure on Addie in a physical sense. And they're talking about her time at the house and how she was violated and People took stuff that she didn't give, and she kind of is like, what makes you better? Because you did you, it to me before. You, right, you did the exact same shit. And so she pretty much is like, what's stopping you now from fucking me? But he answers that he loves her and that he knows that she loves him back and that he would never really do anything that would actually hurt her. He also says that she will always be his little mouse and he will always hunt her. He will be patient and wait for her to be ready, but it'll still hurt when he does fuck her. Z then tries to help Addie get over her thoughts in her mind and has her picture the dummy that they're using to fight as someone that she's already killed instead of thinking of people that she wants to kill to kind of help her ease herself into this mindset mm -hmm. of being a killer. Addie's mom comes back and is still on her shit about the house. She thinks that the house is having a negative effect on Addie's mental health. and oh, she the house, not the fact that she was kidnapped and raped and tortured for months. No. And she also does not like that her, that her daughter is shacking up with a criminal. It makes that very evident, too, that she does not approve of Z or Zaid. She does not want her daughter to be with him. Addie then tells her mom that Zaid saves women from trafficking, and her mom asks if he was the reason she was taken. She says no, and that she reminds her that he was the one that saved her, and if it wasn't for him, she'd probably be dead. Yeah, because Addie was marked by the society before Z. Before he entered the picture. Yeah. I also think that Addie wasn't very forthcoming with opening up to her mom about what actually happened to her. So I don't really think her mom, her mom might, might not really grasp what actually happened to her. Oh, definitely You know not. what I mean? But they aren't close. No. So Dea is visiting Addie. And they're downstairs, and Addie correlates the sounds of the creaky boards upstairs and her ghosts as the heels of Francesca's footsteps. It's a little PTSD triggering kind of thing. Dea and Addie have a conversation about how Addie can't be touched and that she should just become a nun. Addie then admits to Dea that she's kind of in love with Zaid, that she's she's fallen for him. And Dea finally approves. <laughs> yes, and Dea does approve. Dea then confines in Addie that Z saved her from Luke as well. So Addie has known about Luke and Dea and Z, that whole debacle, but she had been waiting for Dea to come to her with the information. She was going to let her process and go through and deal with her own trauma. And she'll talk to Addie when she's ready. Dea and Addie end up drinking wine and they get, end up getting a little tipsy. So Z finally shows up dragging in another girl and we find out that it's Sibby. Sybil, remember the crazy girl that murdered people at uh, Satan's Affair? She's I miss, back. I missed her. I did too. I was so happy when 
she gets pulled back, I was like, yes. I was so glad. I needed her back, even though she's yes. psycho. Yes. And, you know, Sybil instantly loves how creepy Addie's house is, and she hopes that Addie doesn't mind that her and her henchmen will be staying for a bit. Sibby has escaped from the psych ward, we learn, by killing her therapist, which she does feel bad about because she didn't smell like a demon. Sibby also promises not to hurt Addie because she smells like flowers. And she would never hurt someone who smells like flowers. Rationalization. <sighs> So Addie ultimately agrees to letting Sibby stay because she took the full blame and did not rat Z out when she was arrested. So she kind of is like, you know what? If Zade trusts her, I do too. So fine, you're welcome. Welcome to the world of crazy. Z also lets Addie know that Sibby can also help her with her fighting because Sibby is a pretty good fighter and he does know that his touch still hurts her. So he's trying to help her. And they're also more evenly matched size-wise. Yeah. So it's been a couple of weeks since Sibby has come to stay and Addie's fighting has gotten a lot better with her training. Z is also tracking this guy named Jimmy Lynch, who is the lawyer that Claire has been using for years. He has a taste for children, so bad guy. There are so many people in this book that just suck. Oh, yeah. They never stop. Um, whack a villain. Right. So they also still have no leads on Francesca or Rocco or Xavier. They're all in the wind. They then decide to set up and look at cameras from gas stations across the country for Francesca. Z is going to focus on finding Xavier, and they think he will be too egotistical, which will make it easier for them to find. Or they're hoping that he's going to not think that Z is actually a threat. Wrong sentiment. Yeah. So in the next letter that we get from Addie, she's talking about Sibby's sex life with her imaginary henchmen. <laughs> and she does think that it bothers her because Sibby is so free with sex and Addie's not anymore. And it reminds her how broken she is. But, like, Sibby's wild. Like, her imaginary henchmen. <laughs> oh, they turned her out. She's getting turned out, out by these imaginary men. So then, like, it had me thinking at different points in the book, like, what was Sibby actually doing to herself? I know. Because they keep mentioning being like, I'm scarred by, like, watching Sibby have an orgy with her henchmen who aren't there. Yeah, so I'm like, how does that look? I'm confused, too. Like, I can't, like... I kind of want a visual markup of it, but I also don't. Right, yeah. So Sibby's in an argument with herself, aka her henchman, because she wants to be the one that plants the USB drive in Jimmy's, like, computer. But Z reminds her that she can't be seen because she's a wanted fugitive. But he's convinced to let Sibby be the one to do this mission eventually. Sibby is supposed to be blending in for her mission, but looks like a giant Cheeto and definitely stands out. Z gives her a Bluetooth in which she wants one for her two henchmen that will also be going. So Z literally hands her the, the like earpieces and she just drops them on the ground because, you know, her henchmen are standing next to her, but they aren't real they don't actually exist and so he's like oh my god i have to pick those up later like I can't but even... i also can't let sibby see that i'm picking them up right it's yeah can't break the illusion yeah sibby also has a body cam so they will be able to see everything that she is seeing sibby and addy have become closer since their arrival or since her arrival sibby is just a lost girl looking for love and friendship they send sibby off to jimmy's office where she is able to sneak in with no issues she picks his office lock enters the room and starts replacing his drives with Z's. Back in the car, Addie and Z are flirting because he's purposefully cranking the heat, so Addie takes, like, her jacket off, which I just 
think it's really funny, and she calls him out on it. Such a creeper still. Yeah. But also, like... It's funny. It's kind of cute. It is. So Sibby has completed her mission, and Z tells her to make an exit. As she's rounding the corner of the building, she bumps right into someone knocking her on the ground. Sibby mentions that he smells good, in which Addie tells her to stop, since her M.O. is that... She knows what people to kill based on their scent. And like, that's common knowledge. The man asks if he knows her from somewhere. And Sibby says no and makes her way back to the car. As they start driving back, the police start chasing them. And Z knows that the guy recognized Sibby. So now Z, Addie, and Sibby are in a full-fledged street race with the police. And Addie is experiencing some PTSD from her last car chase experience. Addie is low-key getting turned on by the fear, though. And Z tells her that she needs to stop distracting him. Jay finally calls Z back and he's able to navigate them out of the police pursuit. They finally make it back to the manor and Z kicks Sibby out of the car. Z then moves his car seat back all the way and orders Addie to come here. She crawls on his lap and he's careful not to touch her and keep his hands to himself. Addie slowly starts to relax, so she, but she ends up grabbing a cigarette and Z's lighter. She then grabs his hands and puts them on her ass and says, you have until the cigarette burns out to touch me. And he's going to drive her crazy by touching her in places that just won't feel good enough. So he's kind of going to want, leave her wanting more. Addie has been smoking the cigarette and then twists it around so he can get ahead. They then start blowing like smoke into each other's mouths, right? That's kind of what I was picturing, that they would, Addie would take a hit and then she would press her, like kind of get her mouth close and let the smoke out into his open mouth and, you know, going back and forth. Yeah. That's definitely what I picked up as well. Okay. So Addie is like, our mouths are touching the same spot on like the cigarette. Does that count as kissing and Zaid replies with you tell me little mouse when I make you cry out for God does that count as praying so God complex has not left the building and I haven't been mentioning it but it is even worse this book and that's all I'm going to say (laughs) Addie then asks Z if he would cut her and make her bleed and he responds that he would if she wanted him to but he'd prefer to see her covered in his own blood the cigarette has gone out and she tells him time's up and to pick up the buds But before he lets her go, he pulls her into a passionate kiss where both of their moans blend together. She says the smoke is gone and she scrambles out of the car and disappears into the house, leaving Z kind of sexually frustrated. He definitely's got some blue balls. But he's slowly adjusting and easing Addie back into it. But he accepts them like a champ. And that's the the greatest thing is that he is very accepting of this. So Z and Jay have been tracking Rick Borman down and they finally found him. Z has gone out to where he knows Rick is and has shot him in the kneecap. He's also asking Rick about Xavier, but Rick's being difficult and really not giving him any information. Rick ends up trying to stab Z with a kitchen knife, but Z obviously sees it coming, pretends to let Rick go, but he doesn't get very far before Z shoots his other kneecap. Yeah, he wasn't smart. They don't get any information from Rick, so Z just slices his neck. Zay then informs Z that Rio has booked a flight to Greece, and if Z can find him, so can Claire. Z knows that Addie does not want Rio dead, even though she's never actually said it to him, but he still thinks Rio should die. So we get a little bit of a time jump. One month has passed, and Dea asked Addie if Francesca has blonde hair, and Addie says no, but Dea says she does now. They have finally found Francesca in South Carolina, where she accidentally ran into a waitress where her sunglasses were knocked off her head, and they were able to ID her using facial recognition software. So finally, they finally have her. 
Z has also been forced to buy a new car since the police chase. The car's now been linked with Sibby twice, essentially. So he's kind of in a pissy mood because he loved his Mustang. And he put a lot of money into that Mustang. He did. The USBs that Sibby placed in Jimmy's office were useless because his paranoia got the best of him and he trashed everything. But Z had his missionaries plant USBs in his home office, which ended up paying off. Two weeks prior, Zaid got an alert that Claire had connected one of the drives to her laptop because of all the lawsuits that are coming her way from past employees. That kind of Zaid set into motion to lure her out. Dea was then able to track Rocco and Francesca back to the motel that they're staying at. So Addie and Z flew down to South Carolina as fast as they could. And Addie is now standing outside of the hotel in which Francesca and Rocco are at. She knocks on the door, calling for room service. She can hear Rocco and Francesca arguing. Addie yells room service once more when Francesca finally opens the door and is faced with Addie. Yes. Addie is quick to use an EpiPen on Francesca, taking her down. Rocco puts up a little bit more of a fight and has her pinned up against the wall, but Addie now knows how to fight and is able to defend herself and ends up EpiPenning him next. She turns around and Z's just standing in the doorway watching his girl do her thing, which I appreciate. That was cute. Like, oh, my girl's got this. And it's hot. I like it. (laughs) They were able to get Francesca and Rocco out of the motel room and onto the flight. Addie carries Francesca into the house once they arrive back, and she's not gentle with her at all. Nor should she be. No. Fuck that bitch up. We also know that Xavier is hiding out on a private island with a mini army surrounding him to protect him from Z. What a puss. But he has an LA trip planned at the end of the month, and now Z knows. They will be holding onto Francesca and Rocco until they get Xavier. So Addie and Zade are on his private plane on their way to the club to apprehend Xavier because they figured out where he's going to be making an appearance. While on the plane, Addie is getting ready and Zaid places Addie's crown on her, which is a knife and garter holster set. Zaid decides to give new meaning to Addie's knife and help her reclaim some power back. Zaid is holding the knife by the blade and has Addie wrap her hand around his. He promises not to touch her and that she's the one in control. Addie clutches Zaid's hand tighter, further cutting him, and Addie takes the hilt of the knife and begins stroking herself with it and then inserts it into her puss. Addie slowly begins to fuck herself with the knife hilt while taunting Zade with doesn't he wish it was his cock instead and how he can't have her yet. She comes and allows Zade to have one lick of her so he better make it count. And he does. Afterwards, Zade puts a red rose behind Addie's ear and whispers to her, one day you're going to feel safe with me again. And when that day comes, you better pray I'm feeling generous. <laughs> Uh, typical Zade. Bants at Club Supple, which is a gross name, Ugh. by the way. Hate it. Terrible. Zade and Addie track Xavier in the downstairs portion of the club, and Addie is in disguise, so she starts to seduce Xavier, and he winds up recognizing her from her voice. Xavier gets her into a private room and locks the door, which is not supposed to be able to happen. He attempts to sexually assault Addie again, but with her newfound training, she's able to put up a fight and Thankfully, Zade is able to get into the room with tech help from Jay. This scene gave me so much, like, anxiety, though. Like, her PSD must have been insane. Like, her trauma, because, like... Like, her monologue while going through this. I mean, he almost rapes her again. Yeah. And, like, she's like, I will never let him touch me like that again. Like, 
this gave me a lot of anxiety because I knew it wasn't going. I was like praying. You know what? I didn't know. I really. I was I, like, you we've know already what? been on a uh, on a fucked up ride. Yeah, I was like, you know what? H.D. Carlton could put in another. We could scene. You know, Yeah, and I'm just like, I can't deal with it, and so whew, it was a lot. But thankfully, Zade is able to get into the room, and he immediately goes after Xavier, ready to kill him. Addie calms him down by snatching his gun and turning it on herself. <sighs> stupid. This is the stupid shit that Zade told her not to do. That she continues to do, and I continue to get pissed off. <laughs> because doesn't she also realize, like, how actually close he came to shooting her? Mm-hmm. Like, it was dumb. Very dumb. But this does snap Zade out of his... Rage. Rage trance. And he is not happy about this distraction. Addie and Zade are able to escape the club with Xavier as their hostage, and they return home. Upon returning home and Zade getting Xavier set up in the basement with his, you know, with his good buddies, Francesca and Rocco, it's time for Adeline to have a therapy session, Zade style. Much needed. Which starts with an argument between the two of them to first rile Addie up about how she can't escape him. And then we move on to a new lesson in reclaiming the power of touch. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Zade gives Addie a red rose with the thorn still intact and has her get naked and get between his thighs but turned away from him and, like, leaning back into his chest. First, he cuts himself with the rose and hands it back to Addie, and seeing him bleeding calms her down. Then he proceeds to touch Addie's thighs, with permission, and starts asking her questions about what makes her feel powerful, what does power feel like, how did she feel when she had the gun on him. Then he has her feel between her legs and she feels that she is aroused. Zade then touches her hand with the rose in it and squeezes the thorns piercing Addie's hand and then he glides her hand down until the rose is at her pussy and teasing herself with it and combining her and the blood and lots of mixing of fluids (laughs) on this rose petal. Yeah. Zade then starts to have Addie play with the rose like it was her pussy like she's you know fingering herself feeling the mixture of all the things with the petals as Addie diddles the rose what <laughs> diddles <laughs> really Alex I hate you is that not you terrible <laughs> is that it's not terrible. what's happening I hate you that is horrendous but but it's what's happening in this scene okay just continue <laughs> so as Addie diddles the rose Zade diddles the Addie <laughs> this gets Addie off and she feels like she's ready to touch Zade now so Zade has Addie crawl to him and take off his belt and Zade then whips out his monstrous dick otherworldly Yep, and Addie begins sucking him off. While Addie is giving Zade a blowjob, he re- he reassures her how she never belonged to any of the men who hurt her, how she is a survivor, and she is his no matter what. Because also during this, Addie has those thoughts of like, why would Zade still want me? Mm-hmm. I'm tarnished goods, I'm tainted. And he can kind of see that working through her mind. So he's just being very like reassuring that that is not yep. the case. Zade then has Addie spit on his cock so he can prep to titty fuck her while she rubs her clit. They keep their eyes on each other the whole time so they can get their release together. After the therapy sex capades, Addie notices the rose reminder that Zade has carved into his chest. It's now interrogation time. Zade, Addie, and Sibby are getting information from our captives in the basement, trying to figure out where Rio is, and we find out during this interrogation that 
Sydney was Sibby's sister. Which, you know, makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, the correlations with, like, the walls, like... And just how they acted was very similar. Yes. Like, this was shocking, but not at the same time. It was shocking because I wasn't thinking that that's where it was going to go. But once it was stated that these two are siblings, I'm like, oh. That makes sense. That's, like, what a small world. But, like, I could see it. And Addie also learns that Molly was able to escape. And that's why those journal entries of Molly's ended. Which I love I love that HD. She gave us that one, like, glimmer of hope. Yes. Because wasn't Molly the only other girl but besides Addie to ever escape? Yep. And I just, you know, the fact that she found the journal. So Addie did become like Molly. She yeah. got out. And I love that. Full circle. And our captives learn um, they're going to be participating in their own culling. Thank God. I have been waiting. I've been wanting these three to die. Since I was introduced to them. So, like, bring on the culling. Can I hunt them? (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, in this version of the culling, Sibby is going to be hunting Francesca. Zaid is hunting Rocco. And Adeline is hunting Xavier. Just how it should be. Mm -hmm. During the hunt, as Addie catches up to Xavier, he gets an arrow in the back. Zaid catches up with them with his prey in tow. In a fit of bloodlust, Zayd and Addie start making out, which gives Xavier time to attempt to, to stab Addie. Zayd, with his superhuman reflexes, thwarts this attempt, and as punishment for Xavier trying to kill Addie. Yep. Addie places like the tip of the arrow to Xavier's throat, and Zayd begins to pleasure Addie, forcing Xavier to watch how he was never able to remove his name from Addie's mouth. Yeah, this was great because this is exactly what Xavier needed because, you know, he was after that control of Addie and was pissed that she would never give him her pleasure. Right. And she is openly calling out Zayd's name and it's just the perfect revenge before they like kill him. Mm-hmm. To see, like, what he couldn't have being given to someone else. Fuck you, bro. Yep. So the gang all meets up to deliver the final killings. Of course, Sibby does a little bit of overkill with Francesca. Chops her into pieces. And, like, starts flinging her fingers around. And Yeah, Sibby's just Sibby. Like, you know what you're getting with her. <laughs> and Addie gets a bit of revenge with Francesca. And she shoves a heel down her throat right before she dies. Addie then slices Xavier's throat, and she ensures that she is the last thing that he will ever see. And doesn't she, like, cut his... Doesn't she, like, uh, go to town on his, like, pelvis area, too? Yeah, I think she's... she's I think she's stabby-stabby. She's, she's a little stabby-stabby. Because she's like, that wiener needs to be Punished. dislocated. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and, you know, she's covered in his blood at this point, too. Like There, there was a lot of stabbing from everyone yeah. involved. Yeah, but they all got what they deserved. Mm-hmm. which was a painful death. Hallelujah. When Zaid enters Adeline's bedroom after disposing of the bodies and cleaning up the mess from the culling because everyone, a little, everybody went a little kill happy, Zaid noticed Addie's zoned out, staring at her reflection and like touching the scars on her body from everything that she's endured. Welp, Zaid decides it's time for another therapy session. 
a sex therapy session, if you will. <clears throat> and this lesson is reclaiming Addie's body and scars. He's going to replace Xavier's memory on her body with his. So he punches the mirror Addie is staring at and takes a shard of the glass and has Addie point to each scar that bothers her. And one by one, he reopens it with the glass shard and has Addie watch him be the one to mark her. And obviously, too, he is not digging deep. This is all superficial. It's just enough to get her to bleed. Not what Xavier was doing, which no, was, like, No, just enough her. to, like, reopen the wounds so they'll scab over. Like, she's still going to have these scars, but at least she's the last memory she has is going to be Zade versus Xavier. Which I can see how this is therapeutic for her. I mean, I, I don't know how I would feel, but I, I can understand Addie. I don't like, think a licensed therapist would recommend this. <laughs> no, not at all. But you got to do what you got to do for your own healing, you know? <laughs> I'm sure. In, in this case, you know what? I've read worse with this book. So after each scar has been reclaimed, they kiss, and Zade picks Adeline up and brings her to the tub, which is like one of those Victorian like clawfoot tubs that has like the shower head attachment to it. So Zade takes the shower head and uses the pulsing water not only to start cleaning Addie up, but to start getting her off. Right before she is about to orgasm, Zade removes the shower spray and makes her beg him to let her come. And he obliges. When the aftershocks of this orgasm die off and Addie begins grinding on top of Zade's penis and taunting him with how he can't fuck her, and she's the one in control. What a brat. Choices were made. Once she brings Zade to a pinnacle of need, she begins to give him a hand job and readies herself to allow only the tip to enter her. She begins to ride him while not letting herself sink any further. And Zade starts to read how Addie wants more, but is stopping herself from going further. So he starts to take control and lets Addie know she has five seconds to finish or he's going to fuck her anyways. The spark of fear and the option of choice drives her over the edge and Addie and Zade fully fuck and finish together for the first time since Addie's returned home. Yay! Finally! Good sex scenes. <clears throat> Dea is at Addie's and lets her know that Xavier's disappearance has made national news. They begin to wonder and, like, panic that Claire is going to use this to pin the murders on Addie publicly. But Zade calls and tells Addie to make sure she watches the evening news. So at 8 o'clock on the dot, as the news starts and coverage begins with Xavier, the news feed is hijacked by a hooded man in a mask who goes by Z, and he takes full responsibility for Xavier's disappearance and lets the world know that it was murder, and exposes his evil doings and issues a warning to anyone who may come for him. And this action takes Addie by surprise, and she can no longer ignore the fact that she is fully in love with Zade, and she wants to tell him and show him when he comes home. When Zade gets home later that evening from his news broadcast hijack and killing a man for Jillian, Addie asks him if he's found Rio. They get into a fight about Rio and his fate. This argument leads into one about Zade's control issues and how the one thing he's been wanting from Adeline is her love and that's the one thing he can't forcibly take from her. Addie finally realizes how much power and control she actually has over Zade, and she's ready to start wielding it. So, Zade gets handcuffed to the bed, where he's naked and kneeling. Addie begins to tease Zade with her body while receiving sexy threats from Zade. <laughs> Once she fully seats herself on his dick and begins fucking him, 
She tells him that she loves him. This takes Zade over the edge as far as his restraint can go and starts begging Addie to release him from the handcuffs, which we know he could easily break out of. But he wants her permission, which she's not ready to give and continues to be in control while they continue to go back and forth with not only their bodies, but their verbal sparring as well. Like they're just kind of trading these sexy but also fucked up banter. After Addie orgasms, she unlocks Zade from his handcuffs where he's still inside her and it's time for round two, but this time Zade is in charge. This round also contains orgasm control and god complex sex. Yep. Adeline is not allowed to come until Zade says so and he has her show and say to him that she loves him. Four days after the news appearance, Claire has yet to retaliate against Zade, and he has a feeling that things are too quiet. Things are all right at Parsons Manor, so he gets Jay to check on Addie's parents, and it turns out there's been a break-in. So Zade, Adeline, Sibby, and Jay are now on a mission to save Addie's parents as they're being kept in their house. The group are able to take down the kidnappers, but during a scuffle with Addie and one of the men, his gun goes off and a stray bullet hits Adeline's mother in the chest. They get Addie's mom to Zade's doctor and he saves her. Adeline's father blames Addie for the situation and wants nothing to do with her while she's with Zade and prevents Addie from speaking to or seeing her mother while she's recovering. And as much as, you know, Addie and her mom don't have a good relationship, Addie takes this really hard. Yeah, this incident kind of puts a lot of stuff in perspective for Addie. Like, she realizes her mom can now kind of sort of relate to the fact that she was taken and, like, tortured, and she can relate to her mom and how her mom felt knowing that she was missing. Right, because something we didn't mention also is that, like, during the time that Addie was gone for that two and a half months... Her mom was freaking out. Yeah, Addie's mom was, like, constantly calling Dea and, like, freaking out and panicking. And so, like, she obviously cares... And, like, Addie being kidnapped really kind of made her mom want to fix their relationship. So when Addie came home, she was trying to repair that. So her dad trying to keep them apart is not good. So the incident of her parents' kidnapping attempt and mother getting shot becomes too much for Adeline to bear, in addition to everything else that has happened. And she turns on Zaid and tries to get him to hate her and leave her. Because this is, like, the thing also with, like, trauma is that you have ups and downs. It's a constant ebb and flow. It's not like you're just better. Yeah. And then you're, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're fine and then you're not. And like, this is kind of Addie going through these. This incident has sparked a downward, spir- a downward spiral. Yeah. So now she's just really like lashing out because she thinks that she deserves to be like hurt. And uh, deserves to be alone and things would be easier if Zayd wasn't in her life. The lowest blow is when she rescinds her love to Zayd. He leaves and heads off to the woods but it doesn't take Addie long to regret her choice and go chasing after Zayd. Like instantly. (laughs) So Adeline meets up with Zayd in the woods and attempts to apologize, but she must pay penance to Zayd in actions as he cannot trust her words. He also makes her chase him through the woods. So a little reversed. A little role reversal. Here for it. So Zayd fucks Addie in the woods. He whips her with a tree branch. He has his belt around her throat. There's... Lots of God complex conversations, and I will haunt you in this lifetime, every lifetime afterwards, and even into the afterlife while fucking. Zaid asks Addie if a baby would make her stay and leads her to believe that he took out her IUD. He brutally fucks Adeline against a tree, 
with his belt digging into her skin, but he does deliver her a mind-blowing orgasm. So it makes it all all right. But no worries. He did not take out her IUD. He was just being a dick. Shocker. There was a lot of dickish back and forth banter during this scene, and Zay did miss a call from Jay, and he thinks it has something to do with Claire. And it did. So now it's time for Plan Bring Claire Down, which is they plan to lure Claire off her private island by using some of her business associates that are still left, Gary Lawson and Jeffrey Shelton. They're going to get into a confrontation with Z and Adeline where Gary and Jeffrey are going to appear to win, and they're going to have them contained where Claire feels like she can come back and get her revenge on the two of them. But in reality, Z and Co. will be the ones kidnapping Gary and Jeff and controlling this entire setup. And the initial confrontation with Gary and Jeffrey, Gary gets shot and later dies from his injuries. Because he's a smartass, he deserves to get shot. Sorry. And he's a part of this whole trafficking yeah, ring. Yeah, they're so, you know they're both bad guys. Fuck both of them. Claire buys the story enough and is on her way. Cue another Zaid Addy sex scene. This one is um, Zaid has Addy over the edge of the cliff on Parsons Manor. Yep. So giving her a little bit of a, her fear kink, death kink rush. Claire arrives to the meeting point, which is at an abandoned distillery. And smelling that this could be a setup, she brings some guards. But Claire does not want this confrontation to end in bloodshed. So as an act of trust, Claire has her guards back off, kind of step back to the perimeter of the building so she and Z can have a talk. Claire offers Z a deal where she will help him eliminate trafficking. In return, Zaid will invent technology for her that will give her absolute control over the human population so she can create a new era. Honestly, what is she thinking? That Z is going to be up for this? What is she hiding? This is on? like, she wants him to come up with a device for mind control, essentially. I mean, he has the technology and the smarts to do it. But he would never do it. He's, that's, come on, girl. Like, really? This is what you're going to barter with? But, like, what sort of narcissistic fuckery are you on that thinks this is a good idea? And a, a pitch? Yeah, I don't know what she's on, but. So clearly, Zay does not take this deal. And pulls his gun out on Claire. And as her guards move to intercept and intervene, bombs go off around the perimeter, taking them all out. How does that feel, Claire? Some deja vu for you, bitch. So she realizes she's fucked. Zaid grabs Claire by the throat and begins to strangle her. But then he looks over to Addie and gives her the honor of killing Claire. And Addie does so by slitting the bitch's throat and then setting her body on fire. Love a bad bitch moment. And you know what? I really like Addie's arc. I like how in part Same. two, she really has come into her own and she hasn't let this trauma destroy her. I went on a journey with Addie because in book one, I kind of hated her. And then part one of book two, I was like... Sympathizing for her because yes. you just feel so awful. I was like, I take back every bad thing I've ever thought about you because of the shit you're going through. And then she just rises from... She's literally like a phoenix. Yes. Like, ugh. Beautiful. So back at Parsons Manor, Addie's mom comes for a visit, and she brings along one of her caretakers, Craven. And there's something kind of off with him, but Addie's letting it slide because her mom's in a good mood. She's excited to see her mom. And we learn that Addie is riding again. She picked it back up after Claire's death, and kind of like all of her enemies have been eliminated at this point, so... 
She's really gotten revenge on anyone and everyone who who had a, a part in her abuse. Mm-hmm. So Addie and her mom start to reconnect and begin the process of healing their relationship. Sibby enters the room and she recognizes Craven. Question mark? Like what? Cliffhanger with that. Yeah. Because now we're in an epilogue and we get a time jump of three months. Sibby is still missing. She's disappeared and she's run off with Craven. Again, Maybe. Again, questions. Yeah. So a letter is delivered in the mail for Addie. And later that evening, Addie is having night terrors and Zaid wakes her up from it with fucking her and replaces her nightmares with orgasms. Therapeutic. Then they have anal for the first time. So she takes his otherworldly monster dick in her butt. Good for her? I don't know about that. <laughs> After they finish, Zaid gives Adeline their customary red rose. This time, an engagement ring falls into Addie's hand, and Zaid proposes. And it's like rubies. It has no diamonds. Yep. Because, obviously, she was called diamond. Like, bad triggering. No, no. And it's like this red ruby ring. It sounds very, very like Addie Zaid. Like, very fitting for their relationship. Yeah. And Addie replies to this proposal with, are you proposing because you're in love with me or because I gave you anal? But doesn't want an answer because she will change her mind if it's because he loves her and she wants it to be a reward for anal. <laughs> so funny. I just love so that. It was yeah. just... She does accept the proposal, obviously. And then Zaid tells her to run, little mouse. And then we do get a letter reveal at the very end. And we find out this letter is from Rio, thanking Addie for saving his sister, Katarina. But fuck her for sparing his life, since she probably did it to spite him, but he can't blame her. And to stay safe, princessa. The end. The end. Well, that is... Hunting Adeline. Oh, that was a I fucking feel, journey. I feel like 10 years have been taken off of my life. I need therapy. I need my therapist pronto. Yeah, that was a lot. Can so we if, have a group therapy session. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's this, this podcast. Is, this is, yes. So if you're still with us, you did it. We took you on a journey. It wasn't a great journey at some points. Thank you, and I'm sorry. All right, Alex, we've... We've debriefed this whole book, so I think it's time that we kind of briefly touch on some of the aspects that we love and hate that we kind of found throughout the book. Do you want to start? First off, I hated all the rape. Yeah, I put down that I hate all of part one, which is all of the bad elements of this book that Addie kind of went through. I get that part one was definitely needed to further the story along. Definitely, but it doesn't make it any easier to read. Nope, I I want it to DNF this book at times. I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad I stuck through it too, but it definitely, part one was hard. And all those themes and all those like negative aspects of the book were a lot to get through. But one of my loves is that I am really happy that they end up taking care of everyone that they need to take care of. And that they're, like, they get their happy ever after. Like, that. And Rio lived. And Rio lived. Even though I have mixed feelings on Rio, I don't really know where I stand with him. It's funny. Kind of going back over the plot, I don't know if you started to feel this way, but it almost seemed like Rio was helping her from the beginning. Like, maybe him wrecking the car and hurting her was intentional. Because we found out he does have, like, a back connection with Francesca. So maybe he knew that he'd be the one put in charge of, like, caring for her. Right. So he could kind of try to look out for her. And he knew if she was injured, it would 
she would need time to recuperate. It wouldn't be as quick of a turnover. Mm-hmm. Giving okay. Z time to find her. But see, that's my thing. I wrote down one of my questions that I have. Why didn't Rio hook up with Zade earlier? Like, why didn't he try to, like, reach out to Z to get Z to, like, beneficially help both of them? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, I still struggle with him as a character, but, like... Because it's, like, you feel bad because he's being blackmailed into doing all these negative, bad things, but it also doesn't make up for the fact that he is putting other people through pain. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you feel sympathy, but at the same time, it's kind of like, and I don't know what I would do in that situation. That's a tough situation to be put in. But I am glad Rio lived, because ultimately, he wasn't a big bad. No. Like, he did some fucked up things. Yes. Certainly. I, yeah. And I do like that Addie, because they do form a bond, or they did form a bond when she was when she was being captured and when she was being held, that one, that she did want him to live, and two, that Z did actually like honor her honor wishes. Honor that. And like that I really liked as well. And I loved getting a glimpse inside the Z Corporation and like all he does to help survivors. Like that was so needed that was like a needed reprieve from all of the shit we went through and like going on top of that i mean like i really love zade throughout this whole book because you're right part like book one was a little iffy you saw him doing good but you also saw him being bad this book really solidified that i actually liked him i don't like how he like started his relationship with Addie. No, and, like, even some of the consensual stuff they do in this book, I'm like, really, dude? But, like, that's just their connection. And, I mean, like, he does, like, so well with her, and he does everything to get her back. And, like, that I can really stand behind. Mm -hmm. And I love that we did get, like, a reuniting scene with Addie and Jillian and how she did get to meet Rio's sister. That was super cute. I also really liked the brotherhood yes i want to see a spinoff of them that would be fantastic because i think that there's a lot of content there that she could potentially like dip into and like they seem very interesting just in the brief few chapters of you know i wanted more with that that was something i kind of wish we got but again hopefully they do kind of like you said sets up a spinoff for them yeah because they do kind of there's a portion of the book where they're very involved because it's, they're helping Z. And then it's just kind of like you never hear about them again. Yeah, then it's like crickets. So it's like, what happened? And also, what's the favor they call in? Right. And like, that's another thing that I feel like it would be such a great spinoff is because like, I feel like there is a lot of content that she could build and create with these four guys. Yeah, And also like, I know we get the gay Molly escaped thing, but I want to know what happened. I know. Did she get to save her little sister? Is she in Alaska living happily ever after? I, I just, I wanted a little bit more. Right. With that. Also, one thing that I kind of had a question about is like, what happened to Dan? Do you think he died? He must have died in the explosion, right? And they just never really mentioned it because they would definitely have killed him. The president's lawyer from book one. Oh, yeah. Who was very involved. Oh, yeah. He definitely, he's. He definitely died in that explosion. Yeah. And it's just like they didn't mention it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just wanted to clear that up because I was thinking about it. I was like, there's no way he's alive. Yeah. Because a love all the villains are murdered. All the villains die. That's one of my loves too. I'm so happy that they take everyone out. And it was so euphoric. It's messed up because they tortured all of them. Though I wish, because mm. I feel like Max and Luke got a more brutal torture murder than like Rocco, Francesca. But the the only thing that I can think of but is- But like I'm glad they died by the calling, but it was just like- But they were also held captive- True. For a while. Xavier wasn't. Xavier wasn't, but, like, the other two were. And I think that Sibby was kind of, like, 
mentally fucking them up because I don't think that they would let her touch them, but I think that she was mentally torturing them. Yeah. But we, we just got more detail around their, those two's death. And yes, they were villains and bad guys, but it was like we didn't get as much writing about right. the bigger players, bigger villains' death. Right, and like I kind of thought that Claire got an easy way out. Oh, yeah. Like they really didn't torture her. But at the same time, I think that Addie at this point, it's the last person on the list. She was they done. Just, they don't want to play games. Like, she just wants her to be gone. The last hate that I have is Sibby's open-ended ending. Yeah, that's mine too. Like, I, what the fuck happens with Sibby? I need Sibby. to know. Who the fuck is Graven? I know. And this is another great spinoff that I could see because she does have a, like, 0.5 called Satan's Affair. And it is Sibby's, like, point of view. But it's okay. prior to book two. I want to read that, but I'm currently reading A Palette Cleanser. <sighs> I'm currently reading it. I'm about halfway done. Yeah, I needed a palate cleanser before I go into that. You definitely do because it's very trippy because it's in Sibby's point of view and obviously her henchmen are all in her mind, but she thinks that they're real. And like the stuff that she has them do, I'm just like, how is this all working out in her favor? It's very weird. Like the sex scenes are so bizarre and they're like orgies and stuff. It's very intense. Yeah, so we need this to become a... Yeah. I want a movie or a TV show. Yeah, I need I need more of Sibby. Because I need to see this play out. Yeah. But I just need H.D. Carlton to write a spinoff of The Brotherhood and a spinoff for Sibby. Like a full-on spinoff. Because I need to know what Sibby's up to right now. Oh, one other thing that I kind of was thinking about. Do you think that Molly found the train track during the culling and that's also how she escaped? I think so. Because remember, her letter is after the culling. Is she's like, I have an escape. I know how to get out. I think it. I think it was the trains. Okay, I do. But I, 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 I want that confirmation though. And like, what did happen? Right. How did she escape? I want her story. Yeah, me too. And that's another like novella. That could have been my palate cleanser. I know. Uh, it's not going to be much of a palate cleanser. Well, I mean, if it's happy. Well, it would probably include the part where she's kidnapped. Oh, true. Fuck. Uh, it's not going to be anything in this series. Is not going to be light and breezy, hun. <laughs> Here's to hoping. <laughs> but okay, we've discussed our love and hates. Let's get on to the fun stuff because I'm tired of talking about all the negative things. Yes. So our casting. <clears throat> so in the last episode, we casted Zayd, Adeline, Dea, Sibby, Sibby, and Gigi. And Gigi. The last episode, I had like three Adelines. I had two Sibbies. I had two Deas. I really narrowed down my top picks. So do you want to just go over? Did you narrow down your top picks for those characters? So for, I only had one pick for Zade, which was Ethan Pett. For Adeline, I had two, Shay Mitchell and Megan Fox. So I casted her two besties of Dea, which were Yara Shahidi and Janelle Monet. Sibby, you casted... Sibby, I casted Aquafina and Miley Cyrus as options. And then Gigi? Reese Witherspoon. So and for... Yours. Yeah, so my Zade was Henry Cavill. I ended up going Sophia Bush for my Adeline for my number one choice. So I ended up going Jessica Soares. Sora. I still don't know how to pronounce her name. The girl from... Vanessa from Gossip Girl. Jessica for Dea. I went Alexa Demi for Sibby, which is the girl from Euphoria. And then I went Elizabeth Banks for Gigi. So those were kind of my overall favorite picks that I ended up deciding that those were who I would actually cast. So this week we are casting additionally Jay, Claire, Rio, and Sydney. So would you like to start off with sure. your Jay? 
So my J is Avon Jogia from <gasps> Victorious. Love that. He's all grown up now. Oh, I know. I follow him on TikTok. He's really funny too. Oh, I like that. He's my J. Okay. Okay. I casted Michael B. Jordan as my J. That's a good choice. Little honey. Because also, I don't know about you, but I'm hoping Dea and Jay get together. Yes. Though Jay's sexuality is kind of... I know. Fluid. Fluid. Yeah. I'm here for that. Me too. Very much here for it. So who did you cast for your Claire? For my Claire, I cast Uma Thurman. Ooh, okay. From Kill Bill and Pulp Fiction. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so I went a little older and I casted Jessica Lange from American Horror Story. She I mean, would be she great. would kill it. She would kill it. She would kill it. I think her and Uma Thurman would both kill it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know, even though Mark is depicted as being like in his upper 70s, he could have a much younger wife. Mm-hmm. So Claire I can see that with Yeah, I mean, and Uma Thurman isn't old old, but she's not young young. But I think that her age could still work yeah. for like a casting. And but same I also with could, Jessica Lange. Right, she you also, could also go older. And Jessica Lange doesn't look like she's as old as she is either. Yeah, she's still gorgeous. And she would slay. She would slay this part. Yeah. So who did you cast as your Rio? I cast Christian Navarro from 13 Reasons Why. Oh, okay. Okay, I casted, how do you pronounce his name? Kaiwa. Kaiwa? Kaiwa Raymond. He is a Hispanic actor. And I decided to go a little bit older since Sophia Bush and Henry Cavill are a little bit older. Older. Like there would be, I would definitely be aging them up. And I kind of wanted to keep Rio kind of young. I think this actor is 30, even though. Perfect. I mean, yeah. Um, but he he does look younger, and he's also Puerto Rican, and Rio is Puerto Rican. Yeah, and he definitely looks young still. I mean, yeah. you know. Because yeah. also with Francesca kind of being older, I wanted Rio to feel like she was preying on him. Oh, I didn't think of that aspect. That's good. I like that. And I like that casting choice. I'm not mad at that. Okay, so who is your Sydney? So I have two options for Sydney okay. since I had two um, Sibby options, and then we learned Sydney is... The sister. The sister. So for Aquafina's sister, Sydney, I chose Lana Condor. She's in To yeah. All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then obviously my Miley Cyrus sister, she- I picked Noah Cyrus oh, to be Sydney. Good. Okay, that's good. I'm here for that. So my Sydney, I only have one, is Amanda Seyfried. And I think that she could kill a Sydney too. Oh, definitely. And, like, what I'm also picturing is that you learn that, like, Sibby's childhood, her dad was this cult leader who had multiple baby mamas. Mm -hmm. So, like, He was the only one allowed to impregnate a woman within the cult. Right. And I know that I casted someone who, like, Amanda and Alexa don't look anything alike. But they very could have different moms. Right. Their parent, their mom can be totally different. So I wasn't really... I like the Noah Miley. I'm a fan of that. I like that duo. I think that that would be really cool. But yeah, so those were our casting calls. All of that will be on our Instagram, which is Emotions and Potions Pod. Also, there's a link with our episode on... To get to our socials, we are also on TikTok now, and there could be a little... Yes, follow us on TikTok too, Emotions and Potions Pod. We're on all the socials, people. We're on Spotify. That link will also be in this episode as well as on our um, Instagram. Speaking of our Spotify. We got a playlist. Should we go into our top songs for this for Hunting Adeline? So I have five. Okay, I have four. 
All right. You go first then. Okay, so my first pick is from the book playlist that was provided. And also I think it's a good overall song for not only this book, but for this whole duet and anything that may come of it. And what is that? <laughs> the Death of Peace of Mind. Ooh, yeah. By Bad Omens. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that just says it all. Yeah. I don't think you really have to explain that. What's one of yours? Okay, so my first song I... I chose was Baby I'm Dead Inside by the Cops. And this is just really, I think, that mental state of Addie kind of throughout part one going into part two when she's trying to cope with all of her trauma and she just does not feel like she's really living. I think it really sums that up. I also had a part one song, which is Keep Me Afraid by Nessa Barrett. (gasps) I was almost going to choose that one too. And I think that that is on brand. And you know, Nessa Barrett was one of my sibbies. She was a she was my second sibby that I casted, and I was so upset that I didn't choose that song because <laughs> I thought about it later. Well, so I'm glad you did. I, I, I chose you. it for you. Yes, I love that. My next song is by the one and only Britney Spears, "Stronger." And this just, I mean, Addie's journey in part two of her just becoming this badass. I think we were on the same wavelength with song choices and picking. Because my next song is like an Addie's healing song. Okay. Which is Trust Fall by Kaye. Oh, okay. Or K. C A Y E. Okay. And that kind of incorporates Addie's kind of rebuilding herself, learning to trust again. Awesome. We were on the same wavelength, yeah. huh? So my next song is by Royal and the Serpent choke and this is just like Addie and zade's like sex life i mean he loves to choke the shit out of her and i thought he he does does. it multiple times in different ways in this book i thought that was very on brand so my next song is um an ode to like the planning and revenge which is one way or another by blondie yes beautiful that is fantastic one way or another, another. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna find you. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you. Love it. Love it. That is definitely Zade's theme song. Like Z's. Like yeah. the organization. Z. <laughs> and so my final song that I chose was Big Bad Wolf by Roses and Revolutions. And this is like Zade's song. He's the big bad wolf. And it also is kind of like aiming towards the people that he's coming after. Like, you better run because you're being hunted. And my last song is an ode to Zayd and Addie's love. And it's Lost and Found by Hyrie. Ooh, like that. Lost and Found. Mm. Okay. You know what? I think we chose really great songs this week. And we have a bunch of other ones. Our playlist incorporates both haunting and Mm -hmm. hunting. So it's combined both. All of these songs plus many, 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 many more can be found. There was others like I definitely was thinking about for both of these books, but limited it down to five. (sighs) Yeah. Fair enough. And and you know what? This one was really hard. I kept changing songs. Like this is the first episode that I came back to and was like, no, got to get rid of this because this song is so much better. Same. That's why I kind of broke it up with like, all right, overall book vibes, part one. So let's move on to our last segment, which is our ratings. So I'll start if you want me to. Yep. So with that spice. Uh, what that spice rating be? A 4.7 out of 5. I thought that this book, the sex scenes were very intense very graphic and it involved a lot of blood it involved a lot of like so intense much things stuff. oh my goodness and then also 
even though H.G. Carlton does not go into a lot of detail when it involves Addie's rape scenes, you just kind of know it's happening, thankfully. This does not include, like, those. Because those are very minimum. They're not detailed. It's kind of just like, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And it's it's more a matter of fact versus trying to get you to, like, enjoy what she's going through because you don't want to enjoy it. But at the same time... It does involve rape, so I also think that the spice needs to be a little bit higher because it's dealing with that element, mm-hmm. which is a negative element. But I just – I felt like it needed to be more than a 4-5. Yeah. But I wouldn't give it a total 5. No, I wouldn't give it a total 5 either, and I didn't. I gave it a 4.8. Okay, so we were kind of, we were right on track. I – if it wasn't – honestly, if it wasn't for the rape stuff, I probably would have given it a 5 because then I would have enjoyed the sex throughout. Right. But because this wasn't enjoyable, it's kind of right. why I docked it. Fair enough. Though it's still very high. Yes. Very spicy. Very spicy. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, 650 pages. This is a big book. So even though you don't get a lot of spice until the end, it's so worth it because mm-hmm. it pays off. Yeah. And I also had to dock it for a lot of the God complex stuff that got <sighs> a little too repetitive for me. And now Addie's even in on it. Yeah. It's, it's so she's bad. Buying she's buying into she's it. She's playing into it. And I'm like, you don't need to rub this guy's ego anymore, Addie. Jeez. So again, that's just not a, a fan. Like, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. With this book. Yeah. Normally it doesn't bother me like it does you, but it started to irritate me. It was a lot. But my overall ranking, I actually really enjoyed this book. I thought it was very well done. It had very tough elements and themes. But I gave it a 9.2 out of 10. And I gave it a 9.5. Okay. The only reason why I docked it is that it, I just don't know if I'm ever going to give a book a 10 out of 10. I mean, like this comes very this comes very close to perfection. Yeah, I mean, it is a very good written book throughout. Yes. From start to finish, I feel like she wraps up everything very nicely. But and I it, had less issues with this one than I did the first one as far as like plot stuff, character stuff, other elements. M- little things that mm-hmm. knock it down. So I had to give it higher than what I did last week. Right. And I did too. I think I gave, last week I gave it a nine and this is like a nine two. And as much as it was hard to read at some some points. I had to go back to it to figure out what the fuck happened. But it was so good. So Alex, love or hate? Because I know that last episode you gave it mixed reviews. You gave it a love for like overall enjoyment writing, but you gave it a hate because of the like negative themes. I'm sticking with that. Sticking with it? I'm sticking with that. Because again- I hate so much stuff that happens in the here as far as like thematically and morally, but it's a good ass book. And I'm going to just stick with my love. I don't feel like copying you. I agree with you that I hate the themes, loved the book, but through and through, I thought it was a really, really good series and I would recommend it to friends who like more darker reads. Yeah. But I mean, I just texted you too many times. I hate this. Oh yeah. We were texting back and forth being like, when does it end? <laughs> she texts me. She's like, I'm on, tw- I'm on chapter 28 and I'm finally like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I think I was at like chapter 13. I was like 28. I'm like, I still have 10 plus chapters to go before I'm like, okay, this is not okay. So that's why like, I still got to give it a hate, but I I, I did love the cat and mouse duet. And I'm a fan of H.D. Carlton. She's a newer author. She doesn't have a lot of stuff out right now, but she's going to be an author on my, like, watch list. Same. Because I'll probably, just like with Penelope Douglas, read anything. Anything and everything. Give it to us. We love it. So, love slash love hate for Alex. That was, sorry, I just touched your boob. <laughs> my okay. hands have <laughs> thoughts of their own. At least someone's touching it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) 
You have made it through another episode of Emotions and Potions, a love slash hate letter to Hunting Adeline. I'm Ashton. I'm Alec. Please go and follow us on our Instagram, Emotions and Potions Pod, our TikTok, Emotions and Potions Pod. We'll have links to our Spotify and share this. Let us know what you think. And give us all the positives since this was so much negative stuff in this book. Let's, you know, put light back out in the world. So rate it five stars. Give us glowing reviews. We appreciate anything and everything. (laughs) (laughs) But until next week. Till next time. Yay. Bye. Bye.